Hi, everybody. Hello, welcome to your Friday. You're listening to Crooked News, where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and the occasional listener story. So still, please send us your stories to talkcrooked at gmail.com. Yes. I hope you guys had a lovely Halloween. Hope you did, too. Um, I kept it creepy again. Nice. And a little, and a little gross. <laughs> Just kind of my sweet spot. Nice. So. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> I don't know what to even call <laughs> what happened here. Um, but I, <clears throat> I went, like, I haven't looked at Offbeat Reddit in a while because we did so far ahead. Um, but I went back. And we're still in August, so this was posted just a few days ago as of when we're recording. But this was Mm -hmm. at the beginning of this school semester. And this article is from BuzzFeed, and it was written by Lauren Strapagel. This was posted on August 6, 2020. Two students say they were suspended from their Georgia high school for posting photos of crowded hallways. The images of students. What? Mm-hmm, the images of students packed together in hallways went viral on Twitter as the school faces scrutiny from staff and students. At least two students. Okay. Mm-hmm, <laughs> at least two students say they have been suspended at North Paulding High School in Georgia for posting photos of crowded hallways that went viral on Twitter. The photos show students packed into hallways between classes, not appearing to practice social distancing and with few masks visible amid the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Right, so was it real? Yeah, it's real. So then why are they suspended? Because they don't want people to know what's going on in the school hallways. Right, so this is illegal. (laughs) Yeah, One of the teens who posted photos, 15-year-old Hannah Waters, told BuzzFeed News she received a five-day out-of-school suspension for posting one photo and one video on Twitter. She posted the above photo with the caption, Day 2 at North Paulding High School. It's just as bad. We were stopped because it was jammed. We are close enough to the point where I got pushed multiple times to go to second block. This is not okay, not to mention the 10% mask rate. So only like 10% of the kids in the school are wearing masks. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Waters said she was pulled into the school's office around noon on Wednesday and was told she had violated the student code of conduct. No, she hasn't. No. And I'm sorry if my kid gets suspended for something like this. I will be so proud. Yeah. I will buy them their very own Dairy Queen ice cream cake. <laughs> The policies I broke... And you'll get extra privileges. You won't be grounded. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The policies I broke stated that I used my phone in the hallway without permission, used my phone for social media, and posting pictures of minors without consent. What? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Everyone in the hallway cool with it? Bye. Yeah. You're mad that... That's not at all why. No. Like, that's... You're oh mad that God. she's... Um, well, hold on. Another student who did not want their name used also told BuzzFeed News that they were suspended for posting photos on Twitter. Um, 
On Wednesday, an intercom announcement at the school from Principal Gabe Carmona said any student found criticizing the school on social media could face discipline. Okay, so that is unconstitutional. Yeah. First of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Water said... You can't do that. No. <laughs> Water said she took the photos to raise awareness of how her school ignorantly opened back up. Not only did they open, but they have not been safe. Many people are not following CDC guidelines because the county did not make these precautions mandatory. Um, yeah, also just want to say that they don't give a shit when a kid videos a teacher yeah. and posts it all over fucking TikTok and shit without the teacher's consent. They don't give a shit about that. Mm-mm. So this is bullshit right here. No, this is you don't want people to know that you're not following the guidelines. Yeah, you're not doing things properly. Yeah. Um, students, teachers, and parents at North Paulding High School told BuzzFeed News that they fear the school rushed its reopening. Despite reports of positive COVID-19 cases among students and staff, classes have resumed and students have been told they could face expulsion if they don't attend. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. One teacher resigned- So die or get expelled? Yeah. Did teacher resign? Is that what you said? Uh, one teacher resigned last month over concerns for their safety when classes resumed. Yes. Um... The school district has also chosen not to enforce mask wearing. Oh, they also don't want to pay any subs to come into the building. Yeah. If anyone gets sick. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want more people exposed. And they're like, great, so you're concerned for the safety of the substitute teachers, but not the full-time staff. Yeah. Great. The school district has also chosen not to enforce mask wearing, calling it a personal choice, even though the CDC now recommends their use. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wearing a wallet chain is a personal choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Waters took a tally of how many students were wearing masks in her classes and posted it on Twitter. In every class, fewer than half of the students wore them. Waters not said cool. she wore a mask all day except for at lunch. So, this is um, a picture from her notes in her iPhone that I'm just going to read real quick. Um, These are the tallies from my classes, the number of kids wearing a mask, and the total amount of kids in that class. These tallies include myself. August 3rd, first day of school. Advisement, 8 out of 21 people. First block, 9 out of 28 people. Second block, 5 out of 30 people. Oh my god. Third block... 10 out of 30 people. Fourth block, 4 out of 14 people. That is unacceptable. No. That's why people are scared. Yeah. August 4th, first block, 8 out of 23 people. Second block, 7 out of 30. Third block, 7 out of 29. Fourth block, 8 out of 14. Oh my god. And August 5th, first block, 8 out of 23. Second block, 7 out of 29. Third block, 15 out of 29. And then fourth block, she was not present, presumably because they pulled her out because she posted some stuff. Because she exposed their negligence. Yeah. I think my punishment severity was excessive. I'm sorry, you pull that shit with my kid Mm -hmm. because of something that you did wrong and try and punish my child for that, for exposing you? Mm -hmm. I will fucking come at you. I will find a lo- I'm not a suing person, but 
I will get a lawyer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Um, I, I lost my place for a second. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my punishment severity was excessive, but I do understand that I violated a code of conduct policy, she said, adding this was her first time being reprimanded by the school. Um, we have a progressive I don't think you did anything wrong, honey. <laughs> no, I don't think she did either. We have a progressive discipline system. When disciplining me and the other student, they skipped level one and went straight to two. Um, Michael Tolevsky, senior supervising attorney for the Southern Poverty Law Center's Children's Rights Project, urged the school district to immediately reverse and remove the suspensions from the students' records. Yeah. Children do not waive their constitutional rights in school, and the district abused its discretion in suspending these students. To Absolutely. A statement. Mm-hmm. This is censorship. Yeah. It could not have come at a worse time as families are struggling to cope with the social and economic pressures brought on by the pandemic, including the abrupt school closures in March that disrupted the education of thousands of students. Yeah. Waters said her family plans to fight the suspension. Good. Yeah. But honestly, I wouldn't want to go back. I, high I five be, parade and a medal. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go back either. But also, you need to go to school. So yeah, well, it's like... You could go to a different one or like go online. Yeah, uh, you well, can try. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not easy. I know it's not that easy for everyone, but like... Well, not now, especially, no. I don't think... There was a school up in um, up in the town where my brother lives that got shut down after five hours of being open because a kid came to school with the, and had a positive test. Of course. That's what's going to happen. People send their kids to school sick all the time. Yep. Especially during the flu season. Like, that's why disease spreads so rampantly in schools, because people come to school sick. Um, because they're afraid of, like, getting sent to jail because their child happened to miss a few days of school, or... Well, there's that, or the fact that they just don't care, and they just want their kid out of the house, and they don't want to stay, they don't, they can't stay home from work, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons, but this is not one to take lightly, (laughs) is the problem. Um, so this next one is from WDBJ... Um, it was written by Lindsay Kane and published August 10th, 2020. Roanoke Church School, Church Preschool Director indicted for embezzling money. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) From a preschool? Uh Uh-huh. Months after, months after a Roanoke preschool shut down. A former employee is being charged with embezzlement, leading to the financial collapse of the preschool program at a local church. Of all places. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Oh god. Um, The Roanoke Grand Jury issued an indictment for Keisha Chrisley for embezzling from the preschool at St. Mark's Lutheran Church on Franklin Road in southwest Roanoke. Chrisley was the director of the preschool and was arrested August 7th. She allegedly stole money from the school sometime between January 2016 and March of this year. It's unclear how much she is accused of embezzling. 
enough to shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> the church's pastor, James Ar- Armentrout, sent a letter to the church community April 16th announcing the preschool's closure because it was no longer financially sustainable. Then, he sent another note August 3rd, saying previous financial issues along with the embezzlement is why the preschool had to shut down for good. That's terrible. Yeah. Armin Trout... So she also wasn't good at it. She wasn't just skimming off the top. No. She bankrupted the entire program. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, honey. You got jelly. You got... You got greedy. Yeah. <laughs> Armin Trout did not want to speak on camera at this time, but he wrote to WDBJ7. Keisha is someone with whom we have formed a relationship. When that bond is broken, it hurts. We pray for her and her family and trust the judicial system to be fair and just for us all. That's the dumbest statement I've ever heard. Yeah. The court has set bond... It's so neutral. We have a relationship. She hurt our feelings. (laughs) I'm praying for her. Bye. No, you're not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Could you be more bland? Yeah. <laughs> the court has set bond for Chrisley at $1,500. I would expect that to be way more. That's not very much. It's not at all. So I'm really wondering she's, how much she's, she was able to She embezzle. bankrupted a preschool. <laughs> She has fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Jesus See, Christ. <laughs> oh God. That's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. So now we have a fun one. Um, Good. Call- those two are depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado prison escapee caught after nearly 50 years on the run. Um, Hmm. A man who escaped from a Colorado prison more than 40 years ago has been found living under an Elias in a small town in northern New Mexico. You can still get lost, at least for 50 years. Um, (coughs) A man who escaped from a Colorado prison in 1974 was found living under an Elias in a small town in northern New Mexico after the Denver police officer he shot decades ago helped track him down. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Luis Archuleta, 77, also known as Larry Pusateri, was arrested Wednesday in Espanola, New Mexico, where he had been living under the name Ramon Mont- Montoya for about 40 years. The FBI said Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Archuleta was accused in 1971 of shooting Denver police officer Daryl Cinquenta. Sorry, guys. Cinquenta? Yeah, Cinquenta. Yeah. Who had pulled over Archuleta to check his ID. When he tried to check for weapons, the two fought and uh, the officer was shot in the stomach. Oh, yuck. Mm-hmm. A jury in 1973 convicted Archuleta of assault with a deadly weapon. The yeah. officer... Okay, so he's, like, guilty as fuck. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> he is guilty as fuck. Um, the officer, who since retired and started his own PI company, never stopped making phone calls and knocking on doors in hopes of tracking down Archuleta. Wow, that's badass. Mm-hmm. His search paid off when a tipster called. I get a phone call from an individual 
individual, and this person says, I've thought about it, and I'm going to tell you where the guy is who shot you. And of (gasps) course, I was skeptical. 46 years later, and out of the clear blue, I get a phone call. Well, this person gives me his address and his alias, and other facts that meant nothing Alias. Alias. (laughs) And other facts that meant nothing Elias is a name. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, is this... Okay, moving on. <laughs> Kay didn't read out loud enough in high school. All right, let's uh, shush. Go. <laughs> a federal court in Colorado issued a new arrest warrant involving the prison escapee, and Archuleta was arrested in the small town about 20 miles north of Santa Fe. He's being represented by the Office of the Federal Public Defender, which did not immediately respond Friday to a phone message seeking comment on Archuleta's behalf. Mm. Michael Schneider, the FBI special agent in Denver, said the arrest should send a clear signal to violent offenders anywhere. The FBI will find you, no matter how long it takes or how far you run, and we will bring they have you to a secret special. We, we have a secret special set of skills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um... I would love to... Er, Liam Neeson will find you. Yes. Cinquanta <laughs> C- <laughs> hopes to visit Archuleta when he is back in custody in Colorado. I would love to sit down and talk to him, he said. He may or may not talk to me. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. That was about I wonder why he wants to talk to him. Uh, probably just to be like, what the fuck, dude? Why'd you shoot me in the stomach? Yeah. So, yeah, hmm. that was from usnews.com by the Associated Press, and it was posted nice. August 7th, 2020. So, thanks, guys. Nice. Yeah, so that was that. Those were all kind of dark. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun with All right, them. well, <laughs> it's about to get gross, so okay. let's take a quick break. Okay. All right, so we're revisiting the Black Plague today. Okay. Because... It's disgusting, and there was, I might have pulled articles from the same email. Um, So, (laughs) let's see. So, today we're going to talk about the most intense symptoms suffered by victims of the Black Plague. Okay. So, this is written by Aaron Wisty. It was updated March of 2020, and of course, it's from Ranker. Um, I'm going to have to condense it a little bit, but, you know. Here we go. All All right. right. So, you ready? Yes. Gangrene is an unpleasant side effect. Of course, that's where (laughs) we're going to (laughs) start. Sufferers often ended up with gangrene as a result of the virus, which is sometimes treated via drastic measures like amputation. Gangrene causes the skin to turn shades of blue, purple, green, red, or black. Swelling and blisters may occur, and these emit foul-smelling pus. Gross. Skin may also become cold and tender. It's basically what happens when your skin dies. Something, some part of your your body dies. Oh god. I think that's what sepsis is too. Um, one re- one reason amputation is often necessary is that gangrene can often lead to septic shock. Yeah. Because that's when it goes to your blood, and then it goes all over your body. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All right, bumps and boils eventually start to ooze. (sighs) 
so after their initial appearance, the egg-sized lumps found on plague sufferers get worse, of course. The bumps and boils spread throughout the body. Over time, they begin to rupture and emit blood and pus. In a time where no one knew what germs were. Great. Isn't that fun? Yes. So, um... <laughs> Delightful. Another... Yeah, here's another one. One complication will promptly shut down bodily functions. So this one is... Oh, there's a delightful picture of a guy wearing a plague mask. (laughs) A doctor. All right. Disseminated intravascular coagulation. Isn't that a fun term? Yeah, It's a medical condition. Yeah, it's a medical condition sometimes caused by the plague. By the way, this plague still exists. We did not eradicate it. Um, <laughs> of course. This is this is a serious and potentially fatal complication in which blood clots throughout the body and, as a result, internal organs begin to, sh- to shut down. Oh, no. This was a death sentence in the early days of the plague and is often still fatal today. However, the condition is sometimes successfully treated via a medically induced coma. I don't really understand why. I that don't sounds either. stupid, but okay. Um... <laughs> So your first symptom, of course, was the the bumps the size of an egg. Um, so if oh you've God. contracted the plague, the first symptom is a little hard to miss. You developed bubos. That's why we call it the bubonic plague, mm-hmm. uh, which generally develop a week after you're exposed to the virus. So that's terrifying. So it's been a week and you have no idea who you got it from because it's been a fucking week. Um, Jesus. These are large bumps about the size of a chicken egg that are found around the groin, armpit, or neck. No. No, no, no. In, a d- in addition to being massive, they're also sensitive. The bumps are warm to the touch and tender. Um, mutant bacteria. <laughs> Plague bacteria spreads rapidly through the body, shutting down nearly every vital function, while complications like gangrene and dehydration often led to the more to led to the end for sufferers. Many people were more or less poisoned. This is due to Yersin- Yersinia pestis, a mutant bacteria that causes the plague. This bacteria is particularly violent as it is unable to survive outside of a host. Isn't that crazy? Wow. And it can penetrate and hide in a host's cells. Oh. In order to survive, the bacteria multiplies quickly and disables a sufferer's immune system. Then, Yersinia pestis bacteria clot underneath the skin in hopes of being picked up by a passing flea. Isn't that nuts? That's awful. That's so cool. Oh it's so cool. It's terrible. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but that's so cool. Could you like, imagine if the mosquitoes it's around self- here picked it's that up? It's fucking self-aware. It's fucking self-aware. It is. But could you imagine if a mosquito picked that up and yeah, started giving it? Them, yeah, it's great. It's great. That's it why was we fleas need on the rats. Yeah. We need to eradicate mosquitoes mosquitoes no oh my god Kay. they're part of the ecosystem we can't eliminate insects stop it (laughs) that's what this is why i love studying listening to listening to and like kind of studying infectious diseases Mm -hmm. in a casual way because that is insane yeah i don't like that it has a plan (laughs) it has a battle plan yeah i know even survive okay so and then of course you know this is what we were all worried about with covid as well um 
uh, even survivors have lasting side effects from the vomiting. Oh, yeah. So vomiting is par for the course for a wide variety of common illnesses, but this is no minor ailment. When it's related to the Black Plague, depending on the duration of the infection, the consequences of months of acid reflux and vomiting can last for years. Yeah, they can. Take the case of Katie Simon, a woman who caught the plague on a backpacking trip she took shortly after college in the early 2000s. Oh my god. I told you, it's still around. I I know, but what the fuck? Her stomach was afflicted was so afflicted that she had to stick to a strict diet comprised of mostly bland foods, free of gluten, dairy, alcohol, caffeine, and processed sweeteners. Her upper digestive system was completely inflamed, and she had ulcers covering her stomach and esophagus. Recovery took two and a half years. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah! I could not imagine. Could not. If COVID was like yeah, no. that, people would probably take it a little more fucking seriously. At least I would That's hope. what I'm saying. Well, but no one seems to care. Like, no matter how many first-hand accounts that be- people give, everyone's like, no, it's still not that big deal. That big of a deal. 1% of the population isn't that much. I'm sorry? It should be no percent. Are of you the cool population. with your kids being a part of that po- that percentage? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Um, all right. So, stuff is. <laughs> One percent of the population doesn't matter as long as I'm not affected. That's the attitude of our fucking country. Anyway, so sufferers bleed pretty much everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. In the disease's later stages, bleeding is common. Septicemic plague occurs when plague bacteria begin multiplying in a sufferer's body, and they may bleed from the nose, mouth, rectum, or even just under the skin. Oh, God. Your extremities also blacken. That's why the Black Plague... So, after an initial infection, bacteria begins to multiply in a sufferer's bloodstream. This can cause a number of side effects associated with more common illnesses, such as fever, chill, and diarrhea. However, one symptom distinct to the Black Plague is the change in body color. Sufferers often experienced a blackening of their fingers, toes, and nose. Just kill me. Just kill me and cremate me. I'm not dead yet. I feel better. (laughs) I think I'll go for a walk. (laughs) Shut up. You will be soon enough. I can't take him. (laughs) He says he feels better. Oh, God. I love that movie so much. Oh, God. Overall skin color sometimes changes, too. So the blackening of extremities is a common side effect, but some sufferers experience complete changes in skin color. Oh, my God. Um, take the case of Paul Gaylord, an organ man who con- who contracted the plague from his cat in 2012. In Oregon. Oregon, USA. How did that even happen? Fleas on his cat. It says he got it from his cat. But how did the flea... I don't know, honey. I don't know. That's why we gotta keep the fleas. We've gotta treat our pets. Yeah. Um, after the initial fever, his skin began to turn gray throughout his body. This caused his wife to rush him to the hospital, where he luckily received life-saving treatment. Good. And was zipped into a quarantine bag. My oh, God. Yeah. 
The initial symptoms mimic those of normal colds and flus, kind of like this one. Mm-hmm. One of the scariest things about the Black Plague is that initial symptoms aren't really that different from the run-of-the-mill flu or cold. Yeah, because they experience... don't want you to be scared until it's too late. The the flu the the disease. Yeah, it does. Like you, like you. <laughs> yeah, because then it has more potential. It has yeah. more potential to spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may experience fever, shaking, general weakness, and increased sweating. Mm-hmm. Next time you experience these symptoms, especially if you've been near rats or fleas recently, you might want to see a doctor just in case. Yep. Jesus uh, Christ. That's it. That's the end. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Because I don't know how much more of that I could handle. God. <laughs> Oh my goodness. If you guys want really cool stuff about the plague, listen to this podcast will kill you's episode about the plague. It is so good. I think it's two parts long and it's so good. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um We love you. We hope you're okay. Yeah. Good luck. Please, 